1: Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from High Tower Great Lakes. Tim, how are you?
2: You know what? I'm doing great today. Um, it's spring and um, no complaints. Happy as can be.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 happy to be back with you. I'm excited about your topic today. I don't I know that you've spoken about consulting before as a as something that your clients have considered, but today's podcast you're really focusing on that. And and I love the title. So you want to be a consultant? Let's exactly. talk about that.
2: Yeah, so you know, one of the things I talk to clients about a lot especially business owners is you know working on a parallel path while they're preparing their exits even well before the exit you know making sure that they can get off one escalator and get on another and um and that the new one they're getting on to you know you don't want to start thinking about it after you retire or after you exit you want to really plan for it like I said a parallel path as you're going down the the exit process and there's a lot to consider, but the, I always joke and I say, look, you just need to be talking to people and challenging your brain and, you know, doing something you really love. You know, we've done a few podcasts, uh, the passion series, you know, hopefully they're exiting to create that parallel path to do something that they're really passionate about. But oftentimes I get clients asked, will say, well, I, I'm thinking of being, uh, getting into consulting, you know. I've built up this expertise, this industry knowledge, this unique perspective, experience, et cetera. And I think I can offer, I can give a lot back, you know, so sometimes though we talk about maybe writing a book and I do have a couple of clients who are working on that. And, um, and actually a couple of clients who have done that. And sometimes we talk about uh, public speaking, you know, maybe you get on the old, they call it the mashed potato circuit, right? You you get, Mm -hmm. you, you get your profile out there and you start talking and, you get good at it. Um, but in, but the number of, I would say more and more, I have a number of clients asking to, or just saying that they would like to get into consulting. And so I have kind of a, a checklist or, you know, something that I usually go through and outline um, that I talk to clients about. So I thought I would cover that today uh, to give the listeners just something to think about if um, consulting is one of the things they want to do when they exit to their full life, their next life.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's go through it because I'm I'm curious what's on your list.
2: Um, so the number one, I always kind of pull the bandaid off tax liabilities, and again, I'm a recovering. Well, account. <laughs> <guess>. <laughs> but what I find is that this is where people stumble the most, especially if you've been working with a company where you've got, you know, HR doing this and payroll, and you know, different organiz- different people in your organization doing different things. You probably never thought about taxes other than writing that check at the end of the year or making quarterly estimated payments, but where i i see the number one the, the biggest problem i see after people get into the business or get into consulting is that um, they are now responsible for you know paying taxes and tracking taxes and it's expensive you know not to get too into the details but when you work as an employee uh you're for example social security medicare you're paying half of that cost and then the employer your company's paying the other half but when you are a consultant you're paying the full amount so just right off the bat, you know, on any profits, you're going to pay about 13% just in payroll taxes, plus state tax, federal tax. So, oftentimes we're telling them that you know really you got to set aside 40, 45%, and it's a bit of a shocker. So, yeah. but but the other reason why I talk about tax liabilities is because oftentimes clients who are getting into consulting have never thought about pricing. You know, well, h- how do I actually price this? And you know, what am I? What's my hourly rate? Or what kind of retainer do I set? And you need to build in taxes as part of that. So if you feel like you need to be making X amount per hour, you got to factor in, you got to gross it up for taxes. So there's a couple of reasons why I talk about that first, not just because I'm an accountant, but because I think it's a really, it's a big part of the the pricing, big part of the business plan. And um, it's where people get in trouble if they don't set aside enough, you know, afterwards. So get right into tax liabilities is one of the things I talk about.
1: Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Cause that's, I think that's the scariest thing, right? Of, of, of going out on your own, not knowing that stuff. If you don't have somebody that's, that's, that you've already got in place, that's going to do it for you and handle all that. It's a lot to think about.
2: Yeah. I've, like I, two of my kids are basically self-employed. They One's in um, acting, the other's in animation. In the first year, they went out and the, they're on their own. You know, I, I even gave them that talk. I'm like, look, set aside the money. And uh, of course, I'm not going to make public knowledge that neither of them did, but it's it creates a problem. So I just always want to make people aware of it.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm assuming that when you set, sat down and said, let's have the talk, they're like, wait, dad, come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> come not on. that talk. We, we've already had that talk. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We're <laughs> out of college. Come
2: on. Then the second topic I always bring up, and again, it's just me being the risk manager um making sure that they're not going to get themselves in trouble is insurance again people think well i'm i'm gonna get into consulting why do i need insurance and what i mean by insurance is really let's talk about um first of all health insurance you know how are you gonna you know are you gonna need that are we gonna run it through the company but Mm -hmm. what I, i really get into is more any sort of liability uh so if you're out there offering your expertise offering your knowledge Sometimes there could be um, liability. You, know, you want to make sure you're giving good advice as opposed to just general stuff. And um, so we talk about you know business structure, how do we set it up, but also how do we ensure or, or risk manage so that you're not assuming more liability that, that jeopardizes maybe the plans you have in place with your, your other part of your life.
1: Yeah. And, and that's something i had never really thought about was liabilities. Is it like E&O insurance? Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Exactly. So, yeah,
2: directors and officers, errors and omissions. Okay. You know, um, and, and oftentimes it's not even an issue. It just depends on the topic, depend on that expertise. So, yeah, uh, if you have a client who's, you know, neurologist and he's out there talking about the brain, um, there's going to be a little more liability or, yeah. or things you have to worry about as opposed to, you know, an, uh, an accountant
1: talking about taxes. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. And then the other
2: thing we talk about is retirement planning. So... Oftentimes, through the company, as people are exiting, they're participating in their own 401k profit sharing, things like that. And there's a lot of uh, restrictions on what highly compensated or owners can receive in, in traditional company-owned, company-sponsored retirement plans. So if I, for example, I'm the owner, I there's limitations on what I can contribute to myself um, without contributing to all my employees. So oftentimes, they're they used to just uh, not just but contributing the traditional retirement plan accounts. And when they become consultants, we could actually put a lot more away in a tax-deducted 401k profit sharing. Um, I did a, a podcast in the past. It was probably about a year and a half ago on um, cash balance plans. Um, but the, the point is that there's a lot more flexibility uh, and there's a lot, there's a much greater ability to shelter more money. So when we're putting together a financial plan, as they exit, we, we, there's so many parts to the puzzle. And one of the parts is how much, if any, would they like to you know, defer or, or shelter as they're getting into their consulting business compared to maybe you know operating expenses and things like that. So it's a really big part of the equation. Um, oftentimes people aren't aware of it, but there's some really great advantages when you're consulting and you're the sole proprietor, sole employee um, you can really shelter a lot of money.
1: Hmm. All right.
2: And then the other, the next thing we talk about kind of on the checklo- checklist, and it relates to retirement planning is planning for like the future transition, creation of the business, cash flow. You know, how much money are you going to need upfront? Are you going to need an office? Are you going to, you know, in this virtual world, should we plan for setting up computers, technology? What kind of uh, Wi-Fi, just, you know, things like that. And and where's your office going to be? In the past, maybe where you were located in wherever your company was located, you were restricted to that state tax, you know, situation. But oftentimes if you're in consulting, you know, maybe you have the flexibility or the options to maybe look at other states where the taxes are less. Um, but the big thing is you're focusing on, we're putting together a cash flow plan because sometimes there is a lot of startup cost oftentimes there's not in which case then we just need to just forecast putting the cash flow from the business into their overall plan so we we then we focus on cash needs upfront cash needs going forward and then um, maybe how that impacts their ability to maintain their their you know the, the retirement plan or the exit plan that we put together.
1: Hmm. I, I yeah that's that's interesting you have an exit plan for the first part. And then I'm assuming you kind of branch into an exit plan for the second part as well, if they decide to wind it down.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have a, a, one, one client in particular who had looked at setting up a consulting firm and it also identified a couple people that he wanted to bring on board um, as employees. So we talked about that. We talked about the need for, you know, facilities. You know, where, where, where are you gonna yeah. house them? How are you gonna do that? Uh, we talked about the need for payroll. You know, what are you gonna have to pay these people to retain them? and when we looked at the numbers we came up with kind of the forecast he quickly kind of pivoted and you know didn't want to allocate so much of his the proceeds from the sale of his business towards that and instead kind of decided to do it maybe piecemeal you know do Mm -hmm. it on his own work with contractors instead of employees work relatively remote instead of you know setting up a really big office um Mm -hmm. because you know you sign a a one-year two-year three-year lease and you're you're really committed before you really know what you want to do i mean oftentimes I think people think they want to be doing something when they exit, but they find out maybe a year or two into it that or even sooner that it's not what they thought or not what they really want. Yeah. Um, so we try as much as possible to keep the flexibility into the plan uh, as opposed to locking into you know big cash flow outlays or big commitments to leases, things like that.
1: Yeah, no, that's I think that's excellent.
2: And then the other, the next area we talk about is um. I call it charitable or philanthropic, but oftentimes when people are exiting the business, and for whatever reason, a, a, a larger than not percentage of our current client base has uh, the desire to give back, philanthropic intent, etc. So, one of the things we put on our checklist to talk about is, well, you know, how are you, how are you going to, if if at all, incorporate you know some of the passions you have about nonprofits that you favor into your business plan? Will it involve you know, pro bono work. Will it involve, you know, can you know making sure that a certain portion of your business is consulting to and with um, some of these nonprofits? Or maybe you're just going to keep it completely separate. But the key is that we want to make sure that we have a plan up front. Because what happens also is when you when you've been the CEO, the manager, the founder, the owner of a, a business, and you exit, not surprisingly, you will be contacted <laughs> fairly often by a number of nonprofits looking for mm-hmm. contributions. Mm-hmm. And the, the the better you have formulated or your plan in advance um, of being contacted, you know, before you exit, after you exit. And then when you're running your consulting firm and you're, you know, joining your local chambers or you're marketing yourself, you're going to be contacted. So you just want to make sure you have a plan in place to tell, you know, to respond. That's all. So it oftentimes they're not prepared for the amount of uh solicitation they might get hmm. um, so we always want to make sure that they're prepared for that and it's part of their plan
1: that is something i had never thought of before honestly i mean it makes perfect sense because you you see the sale of a business and and it's pretty easy to find out who the owner was and you know charities are going to do what charities are going to do which is a good thing they need to try to drum up business and get donations but i never thought of that before when somebody sells a business that they would be i don't want to say targeted but Solicited, like you said. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, they are definitely cool. on the radar. They yeah, are exactly. on the radar. There you go. Yes. Thank you. That that's, that's what right. I was looking for. That's right. Yeah. Huh. Interesting.
2: Um, and then the next part of it too is once we've kind of gotten this far down the path, we talk about, you know, what financial professionals do you need on your team. So, we've done a number of podcasts in the past talking about like Team Eric. Right. Eric is planning for this transition. He's, you know, you're thinking of getting into consulting or some other thing that's following your passion. Uh, and it requires a different set of professionals, maybe different skill sets that you needed when you were running the business, growing the business, preparing for exit versus now you know, going into this consulting mode. And um, so we want to make sure that you have the right team on board. So for example, the attorney you might have used with your business might have been more contract focused. Maybe you're a contractor where mu- much of the work that they were doing for you was You know, helping you set up contracts, helping you chase money when people don't pay. That attorney skill set is not the same skill set you're going to need when you're setting up the new entity. Let's say your consulting firm or you're putting together your marketing materials. Let's say you're writing a book or you've got things that have intellectual property. You know, you're going to need different skill, different attorneys with different skills. So we always just want to make sure that we identify. Who they're going to need, so that they make sure that we that they get those resources up front, rather than have problems um, in the in the future. And then part of that too is you know getting into estate planning. So if you're going to be a consultant, you know are, are you going to set up a, a limited liability corp? Are you going to be a sole proprietor? Um, are there asset protection needs? And all, how does all of that integrate with your current estate plan? If something happens to you, you don't want to leave. A lot of loose ends so that your beneficiaries your your partner your spouse whoever has to has to deal with it all so you want to make sure that everything's all the t's are crossed and the i's are dotted and it gets to you know making sure that the attorney's involved um up front but it oh, it typically always um affects the estate plan so we want to make sure that that's part of it
1: yeah that's, I mean, again, I think that's that's part of what you do at the beginning with anybody, uh, you know. So if they've been working with you for any amount of time, it's, I think, it'd be pretty easy to to take a look at all that and just pivot, right? That's right. And then the the the, the final one, but I think it's probably
2: most important is Plan B, you know. So I recently did a podcast with Stuart McMillan, and if, if you're out there listening, it, it's a great two part podcast mm-hmm. that I, you know, this is somebody who really. Grew an amazing business, uh, second generation. Grew the family business, and then exited to his incredible passions. And you know, one of the things that his core advisor, um, that who I work do a lot of work with, his attorney John Wichter, was, "What's your plan B?" Because what what you think you might want to do while you're exiting, compared to what you think you want to do one year, two years, three years, four years out, it's going to be different. And you may want to be a consultant. You may want to write a book. You may want to do public speaking. You may want to start your next, next business venture. It's, it's just really hard to really know until you're, you dive into it. So you always want to think of plan B. If, if I don't want to be a consultant, how do I unwind it? You know, mm-hmm. How do we get out of this if, without incurring you know, too many commitments, too much liability, too much expense, et cetera? So plan B is um, something that I always talk about. I talk about it while the, the client's running the parallel path before they exit. I talk about it uh, even more post-exit because you don't want to get married to something, you know, some plan that you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a prisoner now and I can't get out. So you want to walk into it. And, and I've had other advisors tell me that you know, walking into something with a plan B is not a good way to walk into something because you're not fully committed. But I would say you're fully committed to the plan but it's impossible to really know what your life is going to look like post-exit until you actually go through it. And anyone who's exited will tell you that.
1: Yeah. Well, Tim, I think back to 2020, I mean, that was that was something where, I mean, you spoke a little bit about not necessarily this exact topic, but other business owners that are were ready to say, you know what, I'm done. I, I think I'm done right now. They saw what was going on in the world and it was, it was difficult. And there were there were a lot of people that just said, you know what? It's uh, you know, I think I'm done. And, and I know that a lot of advisors did that. You didn't, thankfully, that's why we're still here. But (laughs) a lot of advisors were like, wow, this is, this is something I, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm done now. And they wanted to fold up shop, but, something like that could happen the pandemic could happen or or any number of things good things could happen in your life too all of a sudden you have you know three or four grandkids that that wow they just quintuplets or whatever that is <laughs> you know yeah, exactly now I want to spend more time with them so I, I think a plan B is fantastic and and I wanted to ask you looking at all these different things, when you speak to your clients about that and I know that you kind of touched a little bit on on cash flow but how much are you and I, I guess every, after, after somebody retires, every other, every plan could be different when it comes to the cost involved. But what are you talking to your clients about as far as their commitment level to their next plan? You know, how much of their resources are you helping them be comfortable with committing to this as opposed to, you know, let's, let's commit to plan B or let's commit to this next stage of your life. However, let's make sure that it still fits within the plan of your overall happiness for the rest of your retirement as well.
2: Yeah, and I'll say that I have more and more clients who are talking about consulting. And I would say of all the ones who have talked about it pre-exit who you know started working on that, maybe a third of them are actually doing it. And, and I will say that my experience so far has been that clients considering it, they're, they're not overcommitting resources, they're not overcommitting time to the plan. In other words, if anything, um, like one of the issues about being self-employed is accounting, right? I've had more people who hate accounting try to learn QuickBooks, you know, so Mm. that they can be a consultant and not have to hire somebody, you know. Um, If anything, in general, my experience has been that when people retire, when people exit, they've spent their whole life saving, 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 accumulating, growing. And the psychology of post exit, where now this is what you have, this is what you need to protect, this is what you need you and your family, your beneficiaries, your, your charities need to, you know, to fulfill your goals. There's, there's a hesitation to even spend anything.
0: Um, mm-hmm. People
2: become, I, I always tell people that it takes a year or two to really get comfortable with the psychology, a change of living off money versus accumulating and growing. So when I talk to company, when I talk to people about this and getting in a consultant, I'm actually trying to convince them to, to really be aware of what of what commitments they need to make to make it happen because they tend to undercommit as opposed to overcommit
1: got it okay interesting
2: yeah. yeah like even just when they're setting up a consulting firm and they have an llc or an entity set up you know getting them to fund it so that you know cuz it takes a while to start generating cash flow right so and then when cash flow is when business starts to generate It's sporadic, you know. Keep like we talked about before: setting money aside for taxes, recording everything. You know, if anything, the question, the other question I get from most of my clients considering this is, "Can I deduct everything now?" Right? You know, because as an employee, yeah, the way the tax code works is really there's very little tax planning that you can do. You get your W two, you make your retirement plan contribution. You know, mortgage interest is restricted. Property taxes, all the itemized deductions are have been restricted dramatically. So there's very little tax planning. So when you're, but when you're consulting and self-employed or have a an entity, can I deduct my house? Uh, you know, can I go take my wife to Hawaii and deduct that? You know, so if anything, we're tempering that part too. You mm-hmm. know, to say, well, we really need to follow the the tax code. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, and, and follow it to the letter and get the professionals involved, etc. But to get to your question, the common, uh, what I've experienced is that people don't want to commit enough, I think, to make it work, if that's what they actually want to do. So we're trying to make them aware of really what, what's involved and what kind of commitment it'll be. And if they do jump into it, just making sure that they, they make the full commitment to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and bottom line is, get a client in Hawaii, and then, exactly. then that works, yeah. right? Something like that. I, I'm, I'm not giving you tax advice. It's not no, but I mean, that
2: is that is accurate. You know, so if you're, if you have a client down in Houston, Texas, you can go see that person. You can, your spouse or partner can come with you. You can't deduct that portion. I'm just going you know, to just be clear. But um, there are things you can do to, you know, help minimize taxes within the IRS code. So. Unless your spouse
1: is part of the, the business, right? Because. Oh, you, man. Now you're offering tax advice. Okay, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not, I, I didn't say that out loud, did no, I? <laughs> I'm just <was> joking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but there's all sorts of questions, Tim. And I know that people will have questions after this. Let's give them your contact info because you've got the answers.
2: Perfect. No, and, and if people want to reach out to me, I've done this dozens of times. We, you know, I help business owners every day build successful exit plans. And oftentimes this is part of it. So reach out to me, send me an email at tscanel, at, at excuse me, send me an email at tscanell at hightoweradvisors.com or, you know, call my office, call me at 219-531-4941. And I'm glad to, you know, send you some of our checklists, help you plan, or if interested, schedule a, you know, build your exit meeting.
1: Fantastic. Tim, thank you so much. This is a great podcast.
2: Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. This is something we get a lot. So I just thought I'd make the listeners aware of uh, the services and the things they need to think about.
1: All right. Sounds good. And speaking about the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the WellStream podcast with Tim Skinnell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This also makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth Stream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC.